We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Brought to you by the one and only DraftKings Sportsbook app, America's top-rated sportsbook app. Don't forget to hit that like button, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, and leave us a five-star review. I'm Leah Merrill here with Steve Peters and Craig Morgan, as always. We are very excited to welcome another very special guest to the studio this week. It's Arizona Coyotes president and CEO, Javier Gutierrez. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much, guys. What a great setting. This is impressive. Thank you. It's your first time in person, so we're thrilled to have you. Official business. Yeah, exactly. I got to say, I wondered if you would come in the suit today. I I think I've seen you out of a suit just once. In the entire time I've known you, we we will get into it. But my wife Jerica does not leave me. Let me leave the house. <laughs> are you out of suit and tie? Are you your pajama suits as well? Do you have like pajama yeah. suits? I bought. She actually bought me a ugly Christmas sweater suit. <laughs> Seriously, yeah. wait. Oh, absolutely. And we might need to we flash to your that. shoes for yes. the viewers oh, because yeah, we'll get to those later. We will get into a style game. We later, all were too. feeling the pressure to bring well, our A plus shoe game. And with with the the absence of Troy Stetcher, who we voted. The best dressed coyote. Mm. You, your name was actually brought up yesterday as someone that might be competing. Oh my goodness! Yeah, that that <laughs> is that an off your style game. I think <laughs> it, it is. It is. Yeah. Yeah, we'll save that for later in the show. But Javier, obviously, we we are, have you here to talk about the state of the campaign, the state of the franchise, and thank you so much for taking some time out of your day because I know you've been working hard. I've seen you on pretty much every outlet, heard you on every radio outlet. See you at events. As I told you last night, I could hear it in your voice. I felt like we should offer you some herbal tea just to soothe <laughs> your voice when you came in today. But instead, we're going to ask you to talk a lot more, which you'll find out PD does a lot as well. <laughs> so let's start with an overarching question. In your mind, what is the state of the Tempe Wins campaign today, March 8th, a little more than two months before that critical May 16th referendum decision? The state of the campaign is very strong. And I start by telling folks that we from day one knew this was going to be a long campaign. Uh, We were gonna have a very measured approach, but we were gonna have a very committed approach. I want people to understand Alex Morello has committed the resources, both financial and human resources, well over a seven figure commitment to the campaign. We've hired three campaign management companies um, and all of whom have won in Tempe, all of whom have won uh, in this community uh, who have done referendums of, of all shapes and sizes. Mm. Uh, so incredibly experienced, incredibly resourced, and with a very strategic approach. And that strategic approach is really based on we got to get voters out. Yeah. We have to inform the folks and get all the misinformation that may be out there out of the way. And we have to really just let people know uh, what it is that we're offering and how compelling it is and what a transformative project and really the the three key things the right project the right deal and the right team to execute on it and so we feel very good now having said that from day one we said 
we were going to operate as if we're losing this race because we would wanted to work hard. We wanted to work every day and consistent and we wanted to earn people's votes and we wanted to be radically transparent. You know, part of my effort to be out and accessible is because that is who we are. We want to be inclusive and we want to be transparent. We want to communicate everything that we stand for and what this campaign and what this project and, and what this deal and what this team really stand for. And so we feel very good about it, uh, but we know there's still a long way to go. And that was the strategy was that this was going to be a, a big, a big campaign that was going to take not just one day, one week, but it was going to take multiple months. As I've mentioned to you, there's been some consternation on the part of Tempe City officials that your early efforts maybe weren't what they expected. The concern was that you you fell behind the opposition, which has been active since at least December, and you've lost ground in messaging in your efforts to win this campaign. Um, sorry for my long-winded questions. Mm -hmm. uh, they'll probably be more concise than me. Uh, there are psychological theories like the sleeper effect or the continuing influence effect based on academic research that show that once you put an idea in someone's heads, even if it's false or misleading, it's hard to remove it. Can you address those concerns and, and go deeper into your strategy. Sure. I'm not sure I agree with any of that. Okay. Um, I, I disagree that we've fallen behind. Uh, I disagree that we haven't done what we needed to do. Uh, we knew that our biggest issue was to inform people and then to get them out to vote. You know what my biggest concern is? That so many people say, this is too good of a deal. I'll let somebody else vote. That's our biggest concern. We need to get people out. We need to get them informed. So I'm not sure I, I necessarily agreed with that consternation. Um, and we certainly don't see it today. You know, one thing that we did have to do, we had to follow every letter of the law. You can't have signs out in public until 75 days before the election. That was March 2nd. What happened on March 2nd? We bombarded the city of Tempe with signs. Okay. Um, we have had our video uh, our digital, our social media campaigns actually starting since the beginning of the year. December, uh, I think most people went uh, dark for holidays. Yeah. So starting after the first of the year, I think our our grassroots campaign in terms of being out in the community, I think our first event was the second week of January in terms of a community coffee event. Um, and we also understand Tempe's different. This is a very hyper-local race. We have... I believe 90,000 registered voters. We think okay. that a great turnout will be 35 to 40,000 voters. Mm -hmm. It is a special election, it's a mail-in, and it has three propositions. All those things need to be worked through in terms of informing people. So I, I don't know where that narrative came from. And, and truth be told, our, our internal polling, which I will not reveal because I know you'll ask me, um, shows very strong uh, support for what we're talking about, but it does show that we still. Pass. But it, but it, but it does show that uh, we still need to have a lot of work done to inform people because it's really simple to say we don't want taxpayers to pay for it. You know what? We agree. We don't want the taxpayers to pay for it. We're going to pay for it. That is uncommon because it's never happened in the history of any facility in Arizona. So not only do we have to talk about our project, we have to inform people about something that's never been done before. There's never been a developer to take its project to the voters in a referendum proactively. There's never been a development agreement that included a, uh, a commitment to union labor. There's never been a developer that's willing to pay for a sports and entertainment facility. All of those things in the history of Arizona and we're excited to do all that. I, I, you brought up something about taxes, and this is one of the things that strikes home for me. And, and <clears throat> I'm going to veer off a little bit here because this is what, to me, is really important. Unfortunately, I'm not a Tempe voter, mm -hmm. so I can't vote. I think I'm fairly informed. What I get frustrated with, with the taxes, and I've heard this. I've seen it on the Internet. I've seen it. Oh, giving businessmen tax breaks, giving businessmen tax breaks. First of all, can you clarify, and, and, and I know we've done this every single time we've talked about this, if you don't utilize the facilities of the entertainment district, you are not, period, not paying taxes for this facility. And I also want to dismiss the notion that other businesses don't get tax benefits for moving into a community because it's not sports teams. It's every business that moves into a community that, that funds large employment bases gets taxed benefits for bringing their business to that community not hockey teams, businesses. Mm -hmm. Can you address those two things and just, in your words, say you're not paying for it? Sure. Well, let me start by saying that. You're not paying for it. 
This is the first privately funded sports and entertainment district in the history of Arizona. And typically what happens is there are bonds issued that are backed by the taxpayers, that are guaranteed by the taxpayers, that are repaid by the taxpayers, and they build the buildings and build the arenas and the stadiums. And then those buildings and the arenas don't ever pay taxes ever, right? That is literally the case for every other sports facility in Arizona. Sun Devil Stadium, Chase, Desert Diamond, um, State Farm Stadium, taxpayers pay to build it, and there are no taxes that they pay in perpetuity, which means forever, okay? Um, what we are proposing is that we are going to buy this land as if it was cleaned up. And remember, it's a toxic landfill. Uh, we're going to pay a $40 million non-refundable deposit when it becomes effective shortly, hopefully, after this vote on May 16th. And we will begin remediation. Now, yes, there is going to be a community facilities district. It is going to issue bonds. Let's talk about those. They're for infrastructure. They're for remediation. There's, for, there's a cloud on title. By the way, this is city-owned land. This is its responsibility. Right now, that toxic landfill represents a $210 million environmental liability to the city of Tempe. It caught on fire. The firefighters of Tempe went in and had to deal with a toxic fire. So we are cleaning it up. And yes, what are those bonds? How are they going to be repaid? There are taxes that are going to be created on site. We're asking the city to deploy some of those taxes that are created on site by all of our private real estate to be deployed for that. The rest is going to be paid by us. How? There's a voluntary surcharge. As you just mentioned, when you go buy a ticket, when you go rent a hotel room, when you buy a slice of pizza or a t-shirt, we're going to add a 1% to 2% surcharge. And if you don't want to pay that, you don't have to come on and buy a ticket or buy a pizza or come to a game. Or, or stay at the hotels. And then on top of all that, though, we're going to guarantee those bonds with the land that we bought and the real estate that we built with our money. That is it. That is the entire deal. Now, we've asked for a limited duration tax abatement for the arena, for the theater, and for our practice facility of 30 years, and eight years for the other uses, the hotels. So there are 37 jeeplets along Tempe Town Lake. State Farm Office Park, next to us, to your point, has a 99-year jeeplet, okay? <clears throat> this is a very common economic development tool. The reality is this. This toxic landfill has been sitting there for, I believe, 70 years. Everyone has seen it. They, they know where it's at, and nothing has happened. Zero revenue, mm -hmm. zero jobs, and in fact, it's a liability. And so we have created the site's highest and best use as articulated by the city of Tempe's own third-party expert. And why is it the site's highest best use? Because, and I know there's a lot of fans listening here, this is not really an arena project. Mm -hmm, right. It is a urban redevelopment project that's anchored by an arena. It is two hotels. It is the Rodeo Drive in terms of shops and restaurants of Arizona. It is going to be a 4,000 flexible seating theater 2,000 units of housing, two medical office buildings, and an arena and a practice facility and the home of the Arizona Coyotes. And you've seen it. I encourage everyone, please go to TempeWinds.com. It is all there. You know, one thing that's, you, you know this, Craig, because you've been to a handful of our community meetings. Everything we say is public. The documents are public. <clears throat> that development agreement we signed and got a 7-0 approval from the city council yes. of the city of Tempe, it is public. Everything that I say can be facts checked. And unfortunately, we have people who don't want to talk about facts. So to your point, that's a long-winded way of saying we're paying for it. We are responsible for it. Property taxes are not going to go up. Individual uh, taxes are not going to go up. And in fact, this is the first time that a developer is saying we'll pay for it. Don't get me wrong. My initial foray to the city of Tempe was, mm -hmm. you own this piece of land, <laughs> yeah. why don't you guys clean it up, yeah. <clears throat> and then why don't you guys sell it to me? And they said, we don't have the money and we don't want to bond just for that. I said, great, let's create a structure in which what we build creates enough economic activity that 
Some of the taxes created on site will go to that. The rest, we will impose a surcharge and then we'll guarantee it. And we'll put a lien on all of our property so that if there's any shortfall ever, you'll just put more assessments mm -hmm. on our property that we own, you pay for that yep. is ours. Just like you own your house, yep. you have a lien on it, they'll create another assessment, you end up paying for it. That's the way it works. Does that make sense? Yeah, it, it does. <laughs> but, but it does, and I think that's where this messaging gets lost. And 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 I'm just, and, and I I I appreciate that you mentioned the other businesses, and I don't think people understand that that this is common practice in commercial real estate. Mm -hmm. Common and practice so, right along Tepe Town Lake. Yes. yes. And and yes. the other point you made is right now, how much tax revenue is this dump generating for the city of Tempe right now? Zero. <laughs> no jobs. No revenue, for and how if long anything, of, oh, decades. Right, so decades. it's not like there's there's a, a lineup of people that are developing this for better uses and generating more money. It's not there. Mm -hmm. okay. well, what we are creating is the right project that creates enough economic activity to bear the cost of the cleanup. Nothing else could do this. You can't just have office, or you can't just have residential, or you just can't have retail. It is this high traffic. And we'll talk about this. This will become the second most visited site in the state of Arizona. Tempe Town Lake currently is already, and there's not the amenities that we're going to bring to it. So imagine right now, two and a half million people visit Tempe Town Lake. We are conservatively saying 3 million. And realistically, it's going to be between five and 6 million. And it's because of the different uses. It's not, this is a work, live, play urban redevelopment. It's best in class. This is going to be something that the entire valley and the entire state is going to be very proud of. And we are willing to put our money into it to, to make that happen. I want to get a little bit back into the campaign efforts. Um, and you touched on earlier some of the efforts like the social media campaign and the video and all of that. What other efforts are there? Are there, is there door-to-door -door campaigning? Is there direct mail campaigning? Absolutely. This is a hyper-local campaign, but you know what? You got to build and you got to continue to build that because the reality is, you know what we want? We want people to register to vote on April 17th. That's the last day you can vote. We want them to start mailing in their ballots May 9th. We want to for sure have them mail it in or drop off their ballots by May 16th. This is a special election. It is a mail-in only election, special election. So we know this is going to be door to door. This is going to be community meeting to community meeting. And reality is we're going to have to have others in that community say what all of this really is, not just us. And so that's what we're doing. Uh, I think we we have slated between now and May 9th, I believe it's something like 65 community meetings. Mm. We have canvassers. Yeah, both Nick's volunteer, a big list to me today. So absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, canvassers both in person, I mean, um, both volunteer canvassers, part of our campaign canvassers, and canvassers are literally knock on the doors, answer questions, direct people to tempewins.com. This is not like a, an election for an individual. It's not just vote for me. It's what is 301? What is 302? Mm -hmm. What is 303? Why are there three propositions? Yeah. What, what about parking? What about traffic? What about, mm -hmm. you have to get people to feel like you can answer their questions. And that's what we knew we had to do in a comprehensive manner. And to, sorry, I just, just have a quick follow up on that because there was a question in our chat. Mm -hmm. Have the community meetings, and this is from Michael. So thank you, Michael. Have mm -hmm. the community meetings you conducted changed people's minds who were against it before attending? Have you seen that yet? I think what we've seen more than anything, and you, I, I defer to you, is people show up and I give them a lot of credit saying, I don't know where I stand because I don't know enough. And then they hear it and they said, we really aren't going to pay for this, are we? I'm in. And that's what you see over and over. We actually had a two former council members of Tempe show up at our very first mm. event in South Tempe and said, I'm completely open-minded. And they walked out. They joined our campaign. They joined our committee. They said, this is absolutely what this city of Tempe needs. It is the right structure. It does not create any financial risk. It does not create any burden on taxpayers. So that's what we see more and more. There, I think there's going to be, and we accept this, and I think, Craig, you've seen this. I'm always very transparent and honest. There's going to be people who they're just going to not like it, and they're not going to, they're not going to agree yeah. with it for whatever reason, and that's okay. As long as they're willing to, you know, really communicate <clears throat> respectfully with the truth, 
not with misinformation yeah. or or misunderstanding, um, and and really not make this a very personal matter, which unfortunately we're seeing. This is not about merits of the conversation. What we're seeing is personal attacks on Alex on his track record, which mm. just are, they're inappropriate. Right, you're talking about an individual who's been in business for forty plus years through up and down economic cycles in highly regulated business. Uh, Alex and I, we own a bank together. We get regulated by banking authorities. They come in and review twice a year all of the things that we operate under. Alex Morello has gaming licenses in two states, Nevada and Arizona, highly regulated. We own radio and television, FCC licenses, highly regulated. Every day they oversee what you put on the airwaves. We are in the food services industry, the FDA, highly regulated. The only industry we're not in is in the medical industry. <laughs> and I don't think we want to go into the medical <laughs> industry. You're talking about someone who is in a highly regulated environment, successful track record for 40 years, never had a company in bankruptcy. And so for there to be any narrative about him not being a good business person, listen, I'll be the first one to say, we came in here and we had to undo financial situations that had consistently undermined the financial viability of this organization. And we were upfront about that. And we have owned every mistake that we've made and we have rectified it. And we've shown our commitment to the Valley. And I tip my hat to Alex. He put in $30 million to keep us here while we're trying to convince people to let us put in over $2 billion to keep us permanently here. I want to come back to misinformation in a moment. I wanted to ask one more question about reaching the voters. You mentioned you expect to turn out about 35,000 voters. How do you identify the most likely voters? How do you reach them? What, what yeah. is the, I don't know if you want to tell us how the sausage is made yeah. there, but how do you drill down and, yeah. and find those people that are likely to turn yeah. out? I don't know if it's appropriate for us to get into our game planning. That's the equivalent of Bill showing up here and telling you, you know, <laughs> what we're going to do to develop our first round traffic. I know you try, right? Um, but suffice it to say, we have people who have done this. And they've done it in this community. They've done it in the Valley. They've been successful and they understand how to get this done. We have told them we will put the resources to this. We will put the commitment to this and we'll put in the effort to do this. The reason I've lost my voice and you know this is I am out there, but it's not just me. This isn't a, a me. This is an us. And I think that we have shown we are going to be completely accessible and transparent and communicative. And we're going to tell the truth. Okay. There's been a lot of discussion about this, what this arena would mean for the Coyotes. I think we all know it's everything. It's so critical to the future of this franchise. Let's talk to Tempe voters who may not care about NHL hockey mm -hmm. at all. Let's talk to everyday Tempe voters who are impacted by this development. What do you want them to know about this project's community benefits? So again, I know I am on Phoenix Sports and you guys do an incredible job and I can't thank you enough for supporting our fan base, but I'm going to tell you something. <clears throat> We don't typically talk to our fan base, right? Because we know that they understand the importance of this. And what we really highlight is this is not an arena project. It is a best-in-class urban redevelopment project. It's an opportunity <clears throat> to take a landfill that sat for decades and create it into a landmark in which you're going to have almost 7,000 permanent jobs, in which you're going to create over $13 billion on a conservative basis, of net new economic output. This is going to create that main and main of the state. And so what do we say to those folks? We say, this is not a sports matter. This is what do we want for our community? And you know what we want? We want economic activity. We want jobs. We want revenue for the city of Tempe to be able to provide the social services that it needs. There is a housing crisis. We want to be a part of it. You know how we're partly gonna be a part of it? the city will generate over $7 million free and clear after all of the, you know, uh, adjustments for any potential tax uh, abatement that we've requested, which we can get into, to be able to provide those city services. We're going we're gonna to send over a $40 million non-refundable deposit that could be the anchor for additional services or for potential bonding issuances that could then provide itself <laughs> whether it's universal pre-K, whether it's addressing the homelessness as an affordability crisis. You know, you've heard this before. 
We want to be part of the solution. Alex said it himself, but we can't be the only part of the solution. Yeah. And we are creating the economic activity, the economic resources, the financial resources for the city of Tempe to address those issues. And we think that's the appropriate thing. The other thing that we haven't talked about is in, in, in one of the most unprecedented you know, aspects of this deal that, again, is public, we've made a, a, a landmark commitment to utilizing union labor for this project, which we think is the right thing to do, especially when we're looking at such a highly skilled need of, of the arena and of the practice facility. And also there is a lot of development going on in, the, in this state with all the semiconductor chip plants and that whole entire ecosystem, that commitment really allows the union labor community to be a part of this and to be an integral part of this. And so again, all that is public. So what do we say to this? You don't have to think about this as a sports issue, as a hockey issue, as a Coyotes issue. It will be our home. It will be a state-of-the-art sports and entertainment complex sports and you know a sports practice facility performance technology facility but more importantly it's going to be an urban redevelopment project you're going to take a toxic landfill and you're going to create jobs you're going to create revenue you're going to clean up our environment and you're going to do so without having the taxpayers pay for it lots more to get into we've yeah. already covered a lot of ground lots more to get into still um but before we do um one of the reasons we're talking a lot about Tempe and yes. Four Peaks A Street Pub is located yes. in Tempe and we frequent Great it. pregame spot. Yeah, we've seen a lot of Coyotes fans there yeah. before games. Um, and if you're looking for a place to s spend St. Patrick's Day, Four Peaks A Street Pub, <laughs> Wait, hello. I can't believe you brought that up. Yeah, you, can't, you can't bring that up with Craig. <laughs> yeah, no, unless <laughs> you're part of the PHNX staff and you're going to Craig's house. Did you know he's having a party? I've heard that he um, But everybody party. else, hang out at the Four Peaks A Street Pub for St. Patrick's Day and enjoy a damn good time. Must be 21 or older to drink and enjoy responsibly. And Petey, I got to be honest with you. I'm still thinking about those chips from last night <sighs> from the Circle Case. Yeah, I tell you the kettle kettle chips, salty, just the right amount of salty. Oh my gosh. Like I might Fantastic. have to stop by, swing by a Circle K on my <laughs> on drive my home. home today. Um, we, we're so excited to be partnered with our friends at Circle K and this is really exciting and everybody watching right now should take out their phone as I say this because right to kick things off, we've teamed up for an amazing giveaway opportunity with Circle K. All you have to do is text PHNX to 31310 for an opportunity to win a $500 gas card. That's PHNX to 31310 for an opportunity to win a $500 gas card. See those show notes for details. All right. Let's dive right back now in. Now you made me hungry. I know. I know. <laughs> we can we can all go <laughs> yeah. circle K together. By the way, I, I love the comments. I know I'm going to throw your show off, but no. I, if you don't mind, I'd yeah, love to address it. Go ahead, please. Absolutely. First of all, please do. You know, tempywins.com. People ask us how where can we help? Where can we sign up? We have a button to say, "Hey, I want to put up lawn signs. I want to canvas. I want to volunteer." TempeWins.com. It is all there. All that is happening. We actually have canvassers out on the street in Tempe uh, tomorrow morning. Um, and, and this is an ongoing effort. If you live in Tempe, please register and please vote. If you have friends who live in Tempe, tell them to register, tell them to vote. If you have coworkers, if you have employers, anybody, but direct everybody. It's all there. It's all fully available our presentation, our FAQs, even our Mythbusters to address some of the things that we're hearing out in the narrative. They're all there, TempeWins.com. And that's one of the things that I, I, I want people that are listening, or and I know we're going to get this out on social, so this message gets broader than just our base. I'm, I'm not sitting here going, I'm, I'm on your side, and I'm... I want you here because I want people to get the facts. Mm -hmm. I want them to understand what the facts are. And, and I'll be honest, if somebody is truly digs deep, reads this and reads and understands it and says, you know what? Just for me personally, here are my reasons why it doesn't fit. I'm going to vote no, but I, I understand it. I'm okay with that. Mm -hmm. It's the people that are saying, well, this, this, and this. And one of the things I wanted, if I lived in this neighborhood, things I'm going to be concerned sure. about. I'm going to be concerned about traffic mm -hmm. and I'm going to be concerned about noise. Mm -hmm. How does this affect me if I live in this area? Have we looked at traffic and traffic patterns and, and how we're going to affect the immediate area around the building? Sure. So again, one of our approaches from day one is we're going to tell you the straight story. We're going to be fully transparent. Anybody who tells you traffic's no, not a problem, don't worry. That's, that's incorrect. 
Of course it is. The question is, how are you going to manage it? How are you going to mitigate it? So let's, a, a couple of things. First, we're in Tempe. Someone reminded me recently, the Super Bowl was hosted in Tempe. You're talking about a city that knows how to host incredibly large gatherings. Innings Fest, I believe, was 45,000 people last weekend on Tempe Beach Park, right? So you're talking about a city that understands that. And it does so with Sun Devil Stadium. It does so with us right now at Mullet. And Mullet with a game at ASU basketball. We, we're in a city that understands that. That's number one. Number two, the site is five miles of five freeways. You are talking about the best located site for a high traffic area, honestly, probably in the valley, okay? Um, third, we have made significant investments and commitments, and it's all public, again, to encouraging transportation, to increasing the orbit shuttles to transportation, to increasing traffic mitigation. One of our negotiations with the Sky Harbor Airport was they wanted millions of dollars from us to create traffic, you know, basically people out there or synchronizing lights or what have you so that traffic didn't get stuck between downtown Phoenix through the airport into Tempe. All those things combined, not just one of those things, all those things combined give us the ability to be able to say to people, we believe we have a plan to mitigate and to manage traffic as far as noise I mean, now we're getting into the guts of mm-hmm. our conversations with Sky Harbor, but the reality is this. There are almost 6,000 units, I believe, of housing along Tempe Town Lake. You live there. You don't want to live in a place in which you don't have the state-of-the-art you know, noise mitigation. We are going to have that standard and more because the reality is this. We own it. It's ours. We want it to be successful. We want people to come and eat and shop and play and live there. And so we are making that investment into the noise mitigation, but it is, you, you're in an urban core area. That's part of what you know you're going into when you want to go there and shop, when you want to go in there and live, when you want to go in there and be part of an, a sports and entertainment experience. And so we've, we've always been upfront about this is how we are going to manage things. This is how we're going to mitigate those, those issues. Uh, we're never going to eliminate them. That, that's, and, and anybody who would tell you that they would, is lying to you. I'm glad you brought up the location of the arena because mm-hmm. I've heard people say, oh, this is not accessible. <laughs> I have literally been to every NHL arena and I, I know how inaccessible a lot of them are. A lot of them are. There, there are clearly are freeways. The other element here is maybe with the exception of Vegas or maybe it rivals it, there's no arena that's closer to the airport. So it's incredibly convenient for teams coming in, for fans coming in. It's five minutes. You can literally walk from mm-hmm. the airport to the arena if you want it. But that's not what I'm going to ask you about. This is going to be another one of my long-winded questions. <laughs> and this is something yeah, that the PD long-winded I, one. I got yes, it. Yes, yeah. PD and I ranted about this. I want to address this notion that arenas are not economic engines that drive prosperity in a community. A notion about which my former college, college classmate Neil DeMouse has written extensively for the website Field of Schemes. I'll let you address that basic assertion in a moment. But the argument has always bothered me because it doesn't take into account elements such as civic pride, the value of art and entertainment, the sheer joy and energy that comes with sports. I don't know how you quantify the smile on a kid's face, but I know there's value to it. I don't you know when he gets an autograph from his favorite player, what's that worth? I don't know what the number value is, but there is value there. What are your thoughts on the overall impact of arenas on sports teams and on that more esoteric question. Sure. Well, let me separate the sports and then sure. in this instance, Sorry. the not sports <laughs> component. And within sports, let's talk about the tangible and intangible. I guess that's what you're talking about, yes. right? Tangible, I completely disagree that there is no economic impact because the reality is <laughs> that you are an economic engine because we have employees. We have a supply chain that we uh, support in terms of all the vendors that we buy from and that we keep employed as a result. So there, and you saw it, by the way, during COVID. When arenas shut down, the economic impact of sports was incredibly apparent. All the jobs and all the ancillary economic uh, connections to sports. You actually saw that. And I'm curious as to why academics haven't utilized the shutdown of sports to actually prove the opposite of, okay, if we keep saying that it doesn't have an economic impact, when it shut down, what did we see? What economic loss did we see? And what was the ripple effect Mm. to all of these other 
economic entities that associate themselves and have relationships with uh, with sports teams. So that's the tangible. Okay, the intangible. I am here, having changed careers from a finance, investment, banking, you know, sort of background, because of the incredible power of sports to make an impact in people's lives. And the reality is that sports teams, we convene, we convene, we inspire, we bring hope, we bring joy, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that is immeasurable when you think about civic pride, when you think about brand recognition. The reality is this, you guys saw me. I went up there in a, another fancy blue suit, right? In Montreal yeah. for the draft. Yeah. And in front of 20,000 Canadians and millions, right, of Canadians watching on television, I told Gary Bettman when I knew I was going to get booed, the moment I said ASU and Tempe, Arizona, Mm -hmm. okay, they were now top of mind of millions of people, millions of employees, millions of employers, millions of business owners. Mm -hmm. And I got to tell you, and I don't know how much we want to talk about in terms of mullet, right, we have had so many business leaders for the first time come to a Coyotes game. Mm -hmm come to Tempe without having been there from across the country to say, this community is incredible. Tempe, who who knew there was a lake in Arizona? <laughs> right. I said, well, there's actually a lot of lakes in Arizona. <laughs> um, but just the opening up of the potential for business opportunity, mm. the opening up for understanding what this community stands for, and then the intangible that you said. You know, I was an eight-year-old kid in Dodger Stadium watching this mm-hmm. lefty from my mm. home country. That's a good story. Right? Yeah. Inspire me to believe that I could achieve anything in this country, to believe in the American dream. And I know there's little kids that come to our games or come to sporting you events. Him. You got a name. It's Fernando Valenzuela. Yes, of course. Mm-hmm. Right? A kid who couldn't speak mm-hmm. English and it was the Cy Young and MVP. Yeah. Right? And rookie of the year. Mm-hmm. And he inspired me. And, and that is the feeling that sports can gives you of, of hope, of inspiration, and of convening. You, you mentioned Vegas. There was a terrible tragedy when the Vegas Knights showed up in Vegas. Yeah. And the Vegas Knights were the convening force to help that community heal. And you see that over and over and over again. I was just watching a Netflix special about the first black um, captain of the South African rugby team and what that has meant to that community that is still healing for many years and decades of apartheid. Sports does that. Those are the intangibles. You can't measure that, but I've given you some tangibles that we see and we believe in. And again, and yet this is more than just a sports arena. Right. We know that this is going to be a center of convening. I've said often that, you know, part of the reason why I was so interested in this project is I was trying to figure out where the tree lighting was for me to go to in Arizona, <laughs> right? And, and we want to have it, just like yeah. you would have in Rockefeller Center or in Union Square in San Francisco or in downtown Los Angeles. I mean, this is creates that convener and that civic pride. I, I will say this too, because we talked a lot about mullet early and you talked about the league and the perception around the league and there was laughs and it, there was negativity and there was complaining. First of all, you don't hear that anymore, especially people that have been there. I talked to somebody in Minnesota today who's flying out from Minnesota, bought a suite at the Mullet, and is going to spend three days in Tempe enjoying our great Arizona weather. So people are coming here, first Mm -hmm. of all. And by the way, Mullet Magic is real because the team is really (laughs) I want to talk about that. People people aren't complaining about the facility anymore. but, but, But again, we talked about some of our sponsors that are close to this arena. You see Coyotes jerseys on the streets now. You see Coyotes logos inside shop windows. And this is something that this community has lacked for a very long time. And I... I've been to games in Glendale, and this is absolutely no fault of Glendale or what they tried to build at Westgate. That is not this. That is not Tempe. It's not the proximity to everything else. And I just want to say, I don't know if there's a question in here (laughs) other than what you said about sports bringing people together. It absolutely does. But this isn't just sports. Mm -hmm. This is an opportunity for everybody to see. Please go to the website that we've talked about. It'll be in our description. Find out everything you possibly can in the next two months about this project. Please. Yeah. Sorry, Craig. Right. There's no, a that's question. fine. I'll, I'll get. I'll get to. We, we, I'm getting back to misinformation before we move on and talk about the state of the franchise, mm-hmm. mullet, etc. And I'm not going to ask you to comment on 
these things that I've seen recently, why you left Glendale, that narrative persists <laughs> out there. It, it, it's out there and it's factual, by the way. Yeah. So go look at it. I literally Craig have a quote from the it. city manager yeah. telling Craig me wrote why, about it yeah. why things broke today. down. Yeah, read Craig's story today. Yeah. Um, about the 30-year relocation. You can't trust Batman because the Coyotes broke it. Back. No, no, they didn't. Um, <laughs> about Mayor Corey Wood's feelings about this deal because they took a quote out of context and used it in the you know opposition literature. Characterizations of Alex Morello, as you said re- recently on recent opposition literature and on their website. What I'm going to ask you is how do you react to such inf- misinformation or characterizations and how do you combat it? Uh, I mean, I think the, the way we have approached this is it is our job to inform. It is our job to go door to door, to be in every community, every part rather of the Tempe community and to say, you can make up your mind, but before you do, here are the facts. Here is the truth. And if you have any questions, we're, we'll meet you anywhere, anytime, any place to answer them. And so that's all you can do. Um, you know, there will be some, I think, actions that we take because we do think that in particular the personal attacks, mm. which are not only inappropriate and uncivil, but they're just incorrect and I think border on the line of uh, really undermining other aspects of Alex Morello's business endeavors. Um, you know, we, we will have potentially some very strong actions against that. But in terms of just informing, I think when you tell people this, these are the facts. By the way, someone asked me the other day, why aren't you just asking people who, you know, question this? Well, what do you want to do with the toxic landfill? I said, well, that's a, actually a very good question. <laughs> um, I don't focus on that, but you know, you, you have heard people say, what's your idea here? Because it doesn't generate jobs. It doesn't generate revenue. We have all of these needs for the city. And oh, by the way, it's a toxic landfill that caught on fire and could catch on fire again. I'm going to put you on the spot. Sure. Because <laughs> we're going to have proof here. As you've seen by our comments, we have a lot of people that are, that this is a passionate subject. And I think it's very important they get accurate information. I'm going to put you on the spot and say, if questions come up mm-hmm. over the next six weeks, and I know you've got a conduit through Craig, may we reach out, ask you this question so we can say, Javier said this. Here's the question and here's how he responded. Sure. So we can get the right information. Yeah, I'll put you guys on the spot. I will come back here <laughs> and just do question and answers if you guys want to do mm, it. Great. You know, I, I mean... Literally, that's what I do every day. Like every, uh, everybody's getting excited now. That's you know, but, that's, but that's what I we want. You know what I'm excited too because the idea of not working but having it count as work for me is, is <laughs> yeah. really enticing. That's a whole other conversation. <laughs> no, the reality is we have made a commitment to be fully transparent and available and accessible. Yes, you know, for scale purposes, yep. TempeWins.com is much better. It's sure. much easier because I can scale and we as a team can scale our, our, our reach. But this is we, we have never shied away Great. from saying this is what we believe in. We believe in it so strongly. We're going to make this incredible uh, financial commitment. But in the process, we're fully available. We're fully transparent, fully communicative. Remember, we took it to the voters. Mm-hmm. We said the voters should have a say. We that no one Great. sued us. No one asked us. No one, you know, made us do it. We went to the council and said, we think it's it's too big of a project. It's too, you know, much of, of an impact for this community. The voters should have a say. Speaking of putting you on the spot, and you may not <laughs> want to answer this one. Um, I know that you're all in on this project. <clears throat> you have been for a very long time. And you may, may not want to address this, but I'm going to ask anyway. What happens if any of propositions 301, 302, or 303 do not pass and this proposal hits a dead end? Is it fair to assume that you have a plan B, even a plan C within the Valley? Listen, it's, it, we have a singular focus and that's to win. And you heard this from the Zoom COVID interview that I had. This was what Alex and I talked about as issue number one, two, three, four. We were going to fix the arena issue for this organization. That is our sole focus. That is what we are not only focused and thinking about every single day, but fully committed to. So that's my answer is yeah. we're, we are focused on this. We will act as if we have to win every single vote because that's what we want to do. But we believe very strongly and very confidently that as people understand what we are putting forth, that they will see just how compelling this proposal, this commitment that we have made is. Okay. All right. 
Well, I think we've covered the the okay. campaign and the upcoming vote. We want to get into What about my tie? International yeah, Women's know, Day. We're getting there. Happy International Thank Women's you. Day. Thank you. Yeah, we love to see it. We love to see it. Um, wait, he makes us all look bad. Like that. Yeah, yeah. I know. Sharp definitely shamed us. Uh, I know. I, I appreciated it. Honestly, he was the first one to acknowledge know. it. Um, we want to obviously get into the state of the franchise itself currently, besides just the future of the arena. Um, but before we do, we we referred to Craig's article this morning on gophnx.com, which is a look at the Coyotes Tempe Wins campaign efforts. Craig addresses a lot of the misinformation in that article. So I definitely recommend you go check that out um, and become a diehard. So you can read the diehard only pieces like what Craig is wondering right now. Um, and I thought that one was really interesting as well. So just lots of great perks to becoming a diehard at gophnx.com. 20% off on merchandise, including some amazing new Suns shirts we have in the locker. Kevin Durant making his home debut. Um, so just a lot of exciting stuff going on in Arizona sports. And you want to Rock the best merch in the valley. That's phnxlocker.com. But you also get 20% off events when you become a diehard, including our next PHNX Tea Party um, at Dobson Ranch, which is Friday, March 24th. It's a night of golf, food, drinks, contests, prizes, and more. The PHNX crew with fellow Suns fans and diehards as we watch Kevin Durant, Booker, and the Suns battle in the final stretch of the season as they take on the Sacramento Kings. So check the link in the show notes to reserve your spot today and diehards check discord for your exclusive discount link. The first tea party was a blast. Uh, really looking forward to this one. Hope to see everybody there. Yeah. I have a, you're close with James Jones at the, at the suns yes. and, and you're watching what they're doing with KD coming in and the excitement build around the suns right now. Do you foresee and look forward to a day when this is the kind of excitement, instead of looking at a new facility and a new building or a high draft pick that you're going, hey, this team's really, really good. Do you ever talk to him about what the future looks like here? Yeah, so I've been very fortunate. So so James has become a good friend. Our, our sons, my son Javi, his son uh, JD are very close. Actually, JD, I think you guys have seen him, is, mm -hmm. a, is a, a diehard Coyotes fan. <laughs> yeah. and he's uh, there quite a bit. Um, you know, James, I asked to, uh, to address our executive team. Uh, within the first meeting that I had of my executive team uh, in a retreat. And you know what he talked about? About how where he had started, where they had won, I think he said 13 oh, yeah. games, 15 games. Yeah. So he talked about the journey, right? He didn't talk about, hey, I'm about to be the NBA executive of the year. We're going to go to the NBA finals or any of that. He talked about the journey. He talked about the process, the, the importance in people, in purpose, in, in, in strategy, uh, and culture, the way you go about doing your business. Um, and so that's what I remember. When I talk to him about what we're going through, it's because he went through that. And yeah, I, I applaud what they've done. Uh, I think they've created such excitement, not just for basketball fans, but for the Valley. I think that it's been incredibly wonderful to be here at a time where you see such excellence on the court, but really permeating throughout um, I, I think it's incredibly important to have such uh, not just great athletes and basketball players, but human beings and folks like CP3 and Devin Booker and, and, and now obviously KD. But, you know, Monty Williams as a leader, um, you know, it, it, it's incredibly impressive what they've done. But what I love is having a conversation with my guy about how his thought process was when they were building it, because it, he's, it's very akin to what we're doing. And so I do aspire to the day when we can be sitting in Tempe, you know, at our Tempe Entertainment uh, District in the state-of-the-art arena, go, bringing a Stanley Cup to the Valley, which has been our focus from day one. You know, I, I'm sure we'll get into it. I got asked at uh, Mullet Arena, you know, are we doing something that hurts the integrity of the game? And I said, guys, this is the process. We are fully committed. And guess what? We're, what are we, 15-11 at home? Yep, 15-11-4. We just played a team last night that's 13 and yep. I think 17 at home. By the way, they beat the Toronto Maple Leafs. In <laughs> we beat the Toronto Maple Leafs. <laughs> we, believe, we beat the Boston. But Boston Bruins are <laughs> yes. in a historic season. <laughs> beat them. And we beat them at home, mm -hmm. right? We beat the Colorado Avalanche, the reigning, you know, Stanley Cup champion. So, what you know, if you want to just jump right into it, I feel very strongly in what we're doing on the ice. You know, we are building a culture of competition, a culture of winning, and we are doing so by building a sustainable winner through the building, through the draft. 
we have been unapologetic about our approach because we want to not just win one time. We want to create a winner for decades and we want to create a culture of winning. And you know what? It entails difficult decisions. Mm -hmm. The hardest part of this job, which I was never in sports, is when you have to say goodbye to people who have been part of building that culture and building that commitment. That is the nature of this game. It is difficult, but we have never strayed from believing that we can develop, we can get the assets in terms of draft, pick right, develop them, and create the winner. And we've invested in scouting, we've invested mm -hmm. in player development. Mm -hmm. We've, I mean, we have, I believe, four people in our scouting department that have picked one overall. I don't believe any other staff in the NHL has that. Javier, I got, I ask you one more follow-up to this. Because this, <clears throat> I've been close to this organization for a very long time. And I've seen this happen before in 2004 and 2015 where they were in a rebuild and they kind of got close mm -hmm. and ownership and management got excited and go, well, we're getting close. Let's we're changing the plan. And they get assets for draft picks and we're starting all over. The reason we're starting over with the rebuild now is because this exactly happened in 2015 when we went to get Taylor Hall and all of those things. Bill Kessel. And Bill yes. Kessel. So my question is, does this ownership group management group, is there a commitment to continue? I know it's hard. I know it's painful, but is it, can we have the confidence that they're going to continue the plan, even though it is hard? It is incredibly hard, but we are committed to winning and winning on a sustainable. Not just once. Not just once. Right. This is a sustainable win. We are trying to put this organization both on and off the ice on a track for success, not just one year, not just two, but sustained success. We understand that the key component on the business side is the arena solution. We understand that on the on the you know on the ice, create a culture of winning, bring in incredibly talented uh, young folks, develop them, and move forward with them. And by the way, you're seeing that. The reality is, we do have the rookie of the year mm -hmm. in Matthias Michelli. Mm -hmm. I don't care what anybody yeah. says. If he doesn't get hurt, he wins it. Yeah, and even he, if, he's if, in the if, conversation even without him, a doubt. It, without yeah. that, he's still winning. Yes. So that should tell you. Right, and I believe. Correct me if I'm wrong. Fourth round pick, right? Yeah, you look at it, and you've got so many of those guys too: Logan uh -huh. Cooley and Michelli and Gunther and, and JJ Mosier and Valimaki, and it, the list goes on and on. Absolutely. So, to those that have, in particular, in the last week or so, really questioned our commitment, I I turn it around and I talk about we are here mm -hmm. to not only continue to build the foundation, but to develop players. Right? Yeah. They are developing. They are succeeding. We are creating this culture and they see it and I think they're embracing it. Having been around this franchise as, as long as PD, this is the most complete scouting staff I've ever seen mm -hmm. with this franchise. There's there's just no arguing that. And and now the same resources are going into development. Yep. I talked to Lee Stempniak a lot mm -hmm. because I'm doing a lot of prospect reports and yeah. this development staff is like nothing I've ever seen with the Coyotes. So those are encouraging. I went to signs. college with my brother. They Did are, really? Yeah, they okay. know each other real well. So, at the, when we we just had Bill on, and there was some concern about you know the the LTIR that the team has mm -hmm. taken on, and the unwillingness to take back money in certain situations, it raised concerns. Okay, are they are they stripping this even further down? Are there is there something else going on? So let me ask you that first. Has anything changed financially? No, no, absolutely not. We we had a plan in place. We understood that this was going to be a challenge to be a money. Listen, I've made this statement publicly, so I'll say it again. We will actually make more in ticket revenue at Mullet than we did in our previous location. So that's not the issue. But we are still definitely operating in a deficit. And we knew that because of the other components uh, that go into revenue, you know, corporate partnerships, enough assets, yeah. uh, you know, so, so uh, understandably. But we had that. No, our plan on the ice was we fundamentally believed that we could build a team that was sustainable through the draft and we could get enough assets that even if we don't pick, what is it, 47 draft picks over the next four years? Yeah, which would right? be an NHL which record. Which would be an NHL record. We would have the assets to move up. Look at what we did with Connor Geeky last year. Yeah. You moved up, well, I think we moved up what, from 23 to 11. I mean, that is the opportunities that we are creating and building. So nothing has changed. I think Bill was appropriate. I think I heard him say, I don't know whether it's on your show or not. Why would we take on debt when we believe that we have created the scouting department, the player development department 
to actually get that value through the draft, right? Through those assets. Mm -hmm. Why would we take on your issues and your problems, you know, team across the table, when the reality is what we want is we want a chance to build them, to bring them into this culture, to develop them how we want, and to do so in a way that says us creating a sustainable winner. Minor question, quick answer. Sure. You had told me that you want to put some finishing touches on the annex. Yes. Still, still planning on that? Yes. It's all aesthetics at this point. You know, yeah. a perfect example, you, you go in and you have to iterate, right? Polished concrete maybe is not what you want. You want more carpeting. You uh, All of our, uh, you know, this valley has been quite busy over the last several months with sporting events. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm getting a graphic designer and an actual printing company to put the etching on windows that, that Bill loves. Bill, Bill is a very brand guy. And so <laughs> those things like that, that's, those are the issues that we've been dealing with. So it's not fundamental issues of the systems or the way that uh, things are working. It's all the aesthetics. So I want you to show up. I want everybody to show up when it looks like it's finished and okay. that's been the issue it's all been the aesthetic components it hasn't been a fundamental oh this thing isn't ready and by the way i will tell you and i'm, I'm sure you guys have heard it the opposing teams have loved the annex mm -hmm. first of all starting with the fact that it's the largest visiting locker room in the nhl because it's the exact same size as the locker room right. in the home and i can vouch for that yeah. just so can you there are there are a lot of visiting spaces and they can warm up like, outside wow. and in the grass overlooking the yes. SEC's track it's, <clears throat> yeah it's, it's, it's nice. a great by the way up. you're not doing that in ottawa just letting you know you're not <laughs> stretching outside <laughs> yeah. not to yeah. say anything about ottawa <laughs> all right but let, let's let leah and pd get to fashion and i think we need to roll this out, by the way, by you showing off your shoes once again. Yeah. 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 Your shoe Speaking game. We have your shoes. You want to so, see them? Yeah, we do. Right, yeah, we do. Right. So they're it. the, I don't know if you can. <laughs> yes, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And the socks. You got oh, me a sock. I so we got so ask much you, pressure with him because and we talked about this right off the top. Obviously, I don't think we've ever seen you not wearing a suit, but you are always in sneakers. And we respect that, A, because comfort, unlike Troy Stetcher, who says fashion over function. Yes. I'm more of a function over fashion kind of person myself. So how did you get into the, the footwear? What's the story behind your amazing shoe collection? I appreciate that. So a couple <laughs> of things. So first of all, I've just, you know, I've been in a career and, you know, starting uh, on Wall Street where it's blue, gray suit white, blue shirt, red or blue or something mm -hmm. tie. I mean, that's just, that <laughs> has been my career. Uh, you know, I tried to get away from it. And then my wife says, oh, no, no, you, no. You, you, this is the uniform. This is what you got to do. <laughs> and I appreciate uniform. that, to be quite honest, because I think it does show a sense of, you know, I'm here for business. We're here to, to be taken seriously. We're here to do things right. Doesn't mean that I try to not, I, I think I'm very approachable, but we're, we're here to be serious. The shoe, my <laughs> wife, Jerrica, does not like this entire shoe. <laughs> <laughs> and this is actually a recent issue. So what happened was, you know, I wore dress shoes and I started having significant pain in my outer toes of both of my feet. So I go, I went to the Mayo folks and they say, well, good news, bad news, right? The, the good news is nothing's really wrong. The bad news is you can't wear those types of shoes anymore. You're walking around, you're standing. Uh, but the good news going back is you're in sports. You can wear <laughs> you can do what you want. So I come home and my son, Javi, is a massive sneakerhead. I mean, massive. It was like Christmas oh. every day. So <laughs> he said, great. One for you, one for me, <laughs> one for you, two for me. And he has been my guy. He, he perfect. You know, he gets mad because sometimes I'm like, you spend how much on my shoes? <laughs> and no, he's got incredible taste. Um, I mean, this this is his thing, right? And um, you know, what I what I do like is, you know, it it does go well. I mean, my wife Jerrica again hates it, but uh, you know, we we try to kind of come up with some new things. So what I'm wearing right now, they're the Air Force One slash uh, undefeated collaboration. Love and uh, wow. yeah, what, so what are they made of? They're suede and Nubok. Nice. Wow. There you go. Nice. I love it. So how I'm hiding my feet now. Right, yeah. right. Yeah, you should. Mine are really comfortable. Honestly, you should. For yeah, a, I should have taken a how big Mr. Is the Clean collection? Magic Eraser. My, my son is easily in the 30, 40 wow. range. And then me, I think I'm I'm still under a dozen. Okay. So, but I got favorites? I got a couple coming. I like these. These are really comfortable. So really the Nike Dunk Lows of any of the colorways that I wear mm -hmm. or the Air Force Ones um, are, are really. So I'm about to, I, it's too bad I would have, they had come in time. So I have some new Nike Pandas, which are the black and whites. Yeah. 
butt with patent leather. Oh my god! <laughs> we'll be awesome. on it. We'll keep our eye. Yeah, yeah, yeah we will. We'll see those, those, are, those are forthcoming. So. Oh my goodness. Okay. Well, last question for me, and it's still on the the line of fashion. Fashion's become a focus for the Coyotes. We mm-hmm. obviously saw the jersey that Ruigi designed. I was at the first Friday yeah. event um, with the new line, and we saw the collab with JT Holmes on the Black Excellence oh, warm-up jersey. So it's just it's been a big focus, obviously, yeah. for the team and. An investment. Can you just talk a little bit about that investment and that partnership? Maybe the thought process behind it, how you think it benefits the franchise? Sure. Well, really, it's the brainchild of Alex Morello Jr., you know, our chief brand officer, um, who from very early on said merchandise, fashion, culture, food, art was going to be a part of, of the brand. And, you know, you guys have heard me say this a hundred times, right? We're going to focus on and super serve our fan base, but we really want to welcome our fans in waiting. You went to that first Friday. So we were in downtown Phoenix for the, um, you know, the unveiling of the streetwear collection Mm -hmm. that Rui did. So hats, T-shirts, hoodies, shorts. And we had over a thousand people. And I can tell you because I went around. Maybe 90% of them had never been to a Coyotes mm-hmm. game. Yeah, you can kind of tell who was yeah, the hockey fan and who was it in that so, room. And for us, that's what we want to be about. When you think of the three key pillars of our organization, impact, which is leveraging the power of sports to make a difference, inclusion, which is diverse voices at the seat of decision-making, but also including every part of the community, and then being innovative. So as I say, we're using merchandise. We're using fashion to welcome in these growth cohorts that we want. Young women, how many, I mean, there was a lot of women mm-hmm. in that in that group yeah. uh, looking at fashion. Young women, the diverse audiences, those that wanna see, you know, creators and creatives be part of a sports brand. For us, it is core to what we're doing. And I gotta tell you, that Desert Collection jersey, mm-hmm. incredible. It has been so well received across the league. Mm. And, uh, you know, we will continue to do that. And I think that's actually where the NHL needs to go. It needs to embrace it in order to have the cultural relevancy that I think makes it more welcoming to those that aren't hockey fans or aren't sports fans. Yeah, and I know and Craig and I were an older generation. So when it first, you know, I'm going to be, yeah, you were old, Craig. I'm going to be sincere when I say this. When it first started sure. to happen in the street, where I go, huh? Mm-hmm. Like I didn't understand. Sure. But then my, my 24-year-old son said, that stuff slaps, it's fire. And I'm like, don't know what that means. I think it's good. I think it's good. But that, but that again, it's getting people that don't watch the game, don't understand the sport, don't get it. That's cool. Now I'm wearing it and representing it. Maybe I'll watch a game on TV, mm-hmm. and maybe I'll get a, a hat. And maybe so, like you're, it's it's not to get the hardcore hockey fan. It's <laughs> let's bring in more people in the valley, make this a valley thing represented. I'm going to talk about fashion too. Because you mentioned it already, the draft last year in Montreal, yes. the Arizona Coyotes oh, yeah. stunned the hockey and fashion <laughs> yeah. world. By the way, this was not the same suit. Yeah, similar, similar color. Yeah. But, but now headed to Nashville. Mm-hmm. I, I don't want you to unveil it here. Well, I would like well, it if Bill you did. Kind well, Bill kind of revealed it. Already. I revealed the color scheme. Are, yeah. are, are you planning? Is there any country flair? <laughs> is there a plan for Nashville? There is a plan. Uh, Bill has it. Uh, he's the one who's leading the charge he here. He told us the color. And uh, listen, <laughs> it was it was great. Yeah, I thought it was fantastic. Um, I I will be shocked if we are the only I team. Will <laughs> I think you're all I'm going to say. I'll, I'll give you the best example, right? So we used to have uh, beginning of last year, sort of that fashion show walk up, right? Mm-hmm. That you see certainly in the NBA. We started it. Alex Morello Jr. Mm-hmm. went to the players. They started it. Oh my God. We got all the grief. I went to five road games. At the end of the year, their opening video was all their players doing the fashion (laughs) walk-up. All of them, Mm -hmm. right? This is what helps this sport grow. This is what helps it become more than just hockey. Mm -hmm. It welcomes a diverse audience, a new audience. And it says, because we know, especially the four of us here, when you welcome them in, the game will sell itself. Yeah, 100%. It is incredible. Uh, they're great young men. They're incredibly talented and skilled. Some of the best athletes in the world. That is one of the best experiences. What we need is the ancillary components to really be relevant in the in culture. Um, and you know, it's. I think it's. I think it's really, really important for not just us, but for others to embrace it. And uh, we're going to continue it. 
Awesome. Yeah. Well, this has been a great interview. Fantastic. Very thorough. Lots Thank of you. information. And we might just take you up on welcoming you back for some day. Absolutely. Absolutely. 100% we're yeah. going to. Yeah. And thanks, Absolutely. And thanks again to, to the chat for chiming in with your questions yeah. and your support. And we really do appreciate that. Um, give this video a like if you haven't already. And subscribe to the PHNX Sports YouTube channel because we're going to continue to talk about the arena vote as we get closer to May 16th. And course talk about the rest of the coyote season as we're here in the last 18 games but javier we can't thank you enough for coming in studio mm-hmm. hope to have you back and maybe another pair of kicks yeah we love it um but we'll be back live tomorrow for our post game show so tune in then follow phnx sports across all social platforms you can follow us on twitter at s peter's hockey at leah merrill at craig s morgan follow the show at phnx underscore coyotes everybody thanks again have a great rest of your day and we'll see you tomorrow You know, if you haven't checked out What Chaos yet, you oughta, because we've had all your favorite players on the show. I'm talking Seth Jones, Lena Solmar, Connor Bedard, whoever it may be. We're live every day on YouTube at noon Eastern, but also available on all podcast platforms, including the one you're listening to right now. We got guests, and yeah, we're also doing a bit of chit-chat, goofing around, laughing at what makes us laugh in hockey. So regardless of how deep you are into your hockey fandom... Come listen to What Chaos. We'll talk about your favorite team. We'll talk about your least favorite team and everybody in between. And we're having a ton of fun doing it every single day, Monday through Thursday. It's What Chaos, presented by All City Network.